0: Welcome to the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast, the podcast that will help you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. This is hosted by Megan Parr and Wendy Scott, 4-H specialist in Texas. Hi, Megan. How are you? Hey, Wendy. I'm good. How are you? I am good. I, I, I'm i sitting here thinking, I think it said this was episode 18. Is that correct? Yes, it's episode 18. Can you believe it? I really can't. Like I had to stop back and go back through and process. And I thought, I guess it is 18. I mean, you know how to yeah. count. So I don't think we skipped a number. No, but 18. And I don't think we can be finishing any better with the guest we have today.
1: I agree. I agree. But before we get to that guest... We would be remiss if we did not check the weather in our respective cities.
0: Weather report. What, what's going on in Stephenville today? Well, I'm
1: going to tell you what. It's the most beautiful day ever today. Um, it is about 73 degrees and sun, the sun is shining with a nice breeze. It's beautiful here in Stephenville, America.
0: And it's scary. We're about the same. I think I, I honestly have not been out since I got to the office this morning. I need to walk out even though my my door is right at the back door of the office. I think we're 75 for a high today. Sunny, yeah. beautiful. It is gorgeous. Now we're getting the cold front coming in. So we're going to enjoy yeah, it tonight. Today. <laughs> yeah, but it is beautiful today here in yep. Lubbock, America <laughs> on the South Plains. Well, we are beyond excited about this guest today. So excited. And I think we're calling this one out of the box. I don't know if this person even owns a box.
1: I don't I, think so. I, I think he I was think just he born to be outside of the of the confinement of a box.
0: Yes. And and if you're in Texas, even without saying his name yet, you're probably thinking, we know exactly who this is because yeah. he is pretty popular in Texas, but it is Mr. Justin Sines, 4-H Youth Development Agent in Montgomery County down there in District 9. Justin, we're so excited you're with us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here.
1: Awesome. Well, Justin, let's just dive right in. Um with a little bit about you. Who who are you? Where are you from? <laughs> what do you, what do you do? <laughs> well, do, you do? do who are you? <laughs> Tell us. You your whole life story?
2: <laughs> be glad to. Justin signs. Um I grew up in a small town Kennedy, Texas, rural America, um South Texas, District 11. Now I was in 4H. My um 10 years and I have the you know the the normal 4-H story shy kid who gets in forage show livestock and then after a few years you get very comfortable within yourself um once i graduated i thought i wanted to be a veterinarian is what i thought i wanted to do for most of my life but i um decided to take a little trip to iowa state university and freeze for about four and a half years up there while i was there i realized veterinary medicine um, was not where i wanted to end up for the rest of my life i enjoy it but that's not what i wanted to do and I switched my major to public service and administration and agriculture with the political science minor. I like the, the people aspect of the job. So as much as I enjoy working with animals, I enjoyed um, creating programs and events and working with people is kind of where I want to drift. So once I graduated from Iowa State, didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I came back home and worked for a few years at my local veterinarian. And then I got a call one day from my my agent in my county and said, hey, Justin, I think you'd be really good as an agent. Would you apply for um, Carnes County? At the time, I kind of held off. I decided that's not where I wanted to go. And so it just kind of percolated back in my mind for, for a while. And so I decided, okay, I need a, I need a real job. I need, I need benefits, those adult things. <laughs> so I was like, let me try this extension thing. Since he took the time to call me, it must be a pretty good gig for him to call me these, all these years later. So I applied with extension, tried for a few, a few different jobs, and none of them quite really fit. And so uh, Donnie Montemayor decided, okay, we need to find you somewhere where we can put you, where you can really grow. And so they created the, or um, well, I guess not created, but reintroduced the assistant agent position. And so I was put in B County District 11 there for six months to kind of get a feel for what the job is, but also try to reintroduce, reintroduce the program back into the agency. From there, I went to work in Fort Bend County, District 9, with Vince Menino. And I was a forage and youth development agent for four years before transferring to Montgomery County, where I currently am as the urban youth development agent.
1: Okay, and so what do you do as the urban youth development agent?
2: So urban youth, I really enjoy this job because it's it's the non-traditional side of forage. And I think we need to find a new word other than non-traditional, but it's the non-livestock side of things. So we do the FCH side of things. But what I really focus on is more of the STEM related uh, projects. When I got here, I took over the robotics program and we did, I was doing that for the first year and now I'm trying to introduce more STEM related workshops throughout the years, doing hands on more in depth science experiments with our students here in Montgomery County.
0: Awesome. And Justin, you may have already answered this next question, because, and maybe it's just your thinking, or maybe it was the job title itself, but what drove you, because we all consider you, you may not consider yourself, but we all consider you to be such an out-of-the-box thinker. What drove that to happen?
2: Um, it's its just, I guess, my natural thinking. It, it doesn't stop. My brain just keeps on going. Um, I had all these, I was, I think what it was when I was in Fort Bend, I was confined to the the Fortune Youth Development job. And so I didn't have the the, um, the range to explore things that weren't livestock related. I had all these great ideas, but I couldn't really um, go those routes. So that's why I was eager to move to Montgomery County to the urban youth, because I have a little bit more freedom in what I can do in my programming. And so once I, was, once I got here, the floodgates kind of opened up and all these ideas that I've been storing for years, are I'm finally able to really express them and flesh them out and really dive deep into them. As an urban youth agent, we are, we're lucky because we can be a little bit more specialized um, in this county. We have I, Michelle Mahalik. Uh, she's a fantastic Fortune Youth Development agent. So she handles that side of the program. We have an FCH, a, a HORT, and an A&R agent, and a BLT agent. So it allows me to not have to worry about all the other non um
1: the programs, management, issues, side. management side of things that come up. Yeah. So,
2: I can do a deep dive into, um, into a project that I might come up with and, and it won't affect the the program as much because we do have it covered elsewhere, but I basically, I just let my mind run free and I just follow it wherever it may take me.
1: Okay. So going on those lines, um, you, you just let your brain take you where it's going to lead, but how do you transform those ideas that you come up with in your head into these super awesome projects that you've been doing?
2: So for me, it's um, it's a lot of mental note filing away. Um, of how do you story.
1: file it away and not forget about it in like <laughs> 10 minutes? Cause that's my problem.
2: Oh, I'm extremely forgetful. Like if I don't have a place where my keys go I won't remember where they're at. Um, I have a little thumbtack by my door. But yeah, for but me mine, it's just,
1: mine hang on the doorknob.
2: <laughs> it's, it's funny how some things I can remember and um, others I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. But what I like to do is some of the stores I visit a lot um, I go to Hobby Lobby more than I ever thought I would go to Hobby Lobby Lowe's and Walmart and what I enjoy about Hobby Lobby is I like to go down the aisles and just take like mental note of different things I might see in there and I won't I can't remember now what I saw but it gets stored away and for me is when I find something that I think would be of interest or I think kids might have an interest then I start the process of going back through those files and back of my mind and trying to pull out resources and trying to piece together it's almost like a spider web of things I've thought about throughout the you know the month the weeks the years and i just kind of get all those files and bring them together and and put them into one mod podge of of a workshop or a program but that was probably years in the making of just storing things in mental pictures
0: and i'm gonna i'm gonna say something with what you said there we've always said we wish we could be specialized And to hear you talk like this, I'm like, gosh, I wish I could have been specialized as an agent because how fun and how different our programs could have looked. And so, and and so this makes me excited. And I hope as people listen to it, not that we necessarily get to take everything that you're saying, but hopefully pieces of it and utilize it. And and maybe you, you consider yourself specialized in some areas. I think that would be brilliant. So, all right, so we're going to we're going to skip. You put these good things together. You've gone through, you've pieced this together. You've created this wonderful program. How do you create create interest in those programs?
2: So what I like to do is I like to figure out things, you know, what are kids going to be interested in? What is something that I would think a kid today would actually want to partake in? And then from there, you know, I need to call it something exciting. Um, 4-H, traditionally, we have traditional names uh, that might not always make sense to the everyday 4 H or the everyday youth. Um, one, I think, one in particular that's a popular project, but if you're not um, a part of the program, you might not know exactly what it is. But consumer decision making. We all know what it is. We know it's a contest where you judge four items based on a scenario and you place them the best you can. But if I was to go to a school and say, who would like to do consumer decision making? And they might not quite understand what that is based on that name. So what I try to do is I try to come up with a workshop that is that I take that project and I kind of flip that name and kind of reinvent the title so it's more relevant and more more current. So what I did in Fort Bend with those agents down there and then here is for CDM workshop, we uh, called it um, the Shopping Challenge 2K19. So it gave more of a modern spin and we kind of put together the concept of Supermarket Suite. It's a show that we grew up watching in the 90s and actually, it came back this year. I think yeah. see you can see. <laughs> yeah. So, kudos to us for thinking ahead of the game. I mean, we market suite. Shout out to Angela and uh, Amber there in Fort Bend County. But just taking those things and kind of reinventing it, kind of flipping it on its head and making it interactive. For me, I'm I'm not a fan of PowerPoints. I think being 4H educators, our slogan is "Learn by doing," and I think that's what we have to really take to heart is when we're doing workshops and programming is we have to get our hands dirty and get those kids doing something with their hands because they're more likely to actually remember and learn through that process versus if we have them sitting in a chair going off the slides.
1: Wholeheartedly agree with that. Also, big sh- I'm a big fan of Supermarket Sweep. I love it so much.
2: Yes, and Leslie Jones, who's the new host, is hilarious. Oh,
1: really? I haven't watched the new one, but like, man, those 90s episodes...
2: Oh, heck yeah. I got to get those okay. turkeys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: embarrassed to admit I haven't watched it. I got to go watch it now. Oh, Wendy, <laughs> you're it. missing. I've seen it's back on. I have you're seen it. You're
1: missing some quality television right there. I, I've got to watch this.
0: Yes, I need to see it.
2: So we got creative when we, were, when we we're advertising for this. Um, Myself, Amber Foster, the CEP Forge agent there in Fort Ben and Angela Romans, the Urban Youth agent. We went to Kroger. I think it was like a 10. Um, We got the little carts, and we actually put together a little... I think it was Instagram. I don't think TikTok was, was a big thing yet. We put together a little story. Oh, Snapchat. We, we tried that once. Um, we put together a little snap, a snap, s- Snapchat story, um, advertising supermarket sweep. So we recreated the concept that we got the little buggies and we we're running around Kroger throwing things in the baskets and trying to build excitement that way. Um, trying to reach those kids where they're at using Snapchat and then um, also creating a fun title and, um, High quality flowers, I think, also helps to reach those parents.
1: I agree. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we want to dig more into those ideas of those cool programs that you've done, but we're going to circle back to that in a minute. Okay. These awesome things that you've done um, are not free. So how how do you find the money to pay for these?
2: Um, when I was in Fort Bend County, I did not have a large budget. Um, I actually, I had to get creative in, in some of the workshops I would put on. And I joke around, I built a lot with, uh, shoestrings and bubble gum. The laminator <laughs> was my best friend. Um, yeah. it, <laughs> we could do quite a bit. I made a couple of, um, forgot what we were working on some games. I think it was for a camp and took the concept of, um, the price is right. And recreated some of those games and using tape and uh, chloroplast and a laminator. We made some fun games out of it. Um, so I got creative using uh, stuff from the district. I, one of my favorite workshops I did in Fort Bend County was working with the veterinary, the vet science kids and creating a vet science workshop. And so I utilized the learning lab kits that the district had. So seeing what resources the district has that we can get for free, I think is a benefit. Cause I think a lot of folks um, forget about those resources that are available to them at the district. I know we have a list of things. And if you, if you're not familiar with it, you don't know that they're there. Here in montgomery county um definitely blessed that we have i actually have a budget that i can pull from for urban youth development and non-traditional um projects so my budget my spending abilities have increased here and so that has helped me really develop some of these workshops
1: do you ever apply for grants or sponsorships things like that
2: when i was in fort Bend, just because it wasn't my my normal title i didn't really seek funding there again here in montgomery i'm lucky that i don't have to go and seek grants or or um scholarships for it that i'm able to do what i am with what i have here
1: okay, okay. awesome
0: all right i'm going to throw you a curveball justin but okay. again i i try to listen to people's answers and and gather some more questions and i think a question probably a lot of people are going to have and I can tell you I mean we've had this discussion now for eight months but it's really becoming real the last two weeks I don't know why in district two and I, I just was on the call with somebody for an hour and a half how are you taking these things now because you're like all of us you're, you just said in the beginning you're a people person in-person things how have you switched to this virtual gear
2: personally I loved it um <laughs> I'm a people person at work um, but I can't be introverted but when COVID hit you know back in March um, you know I, I'm a, we were talking about the beginning of the show you know I don't think outside the box I like to think like there is no box just because when you think outside the box you're still being tied to that notion of whatever it is by believing there is no box you can go in any direction and not be confined or tethered still to that that one idea so when when COVID hit middle of March, um, our traditional way of thinking, those walls in that box fell down in extension. We did not know how to operate in a virtual platform a virtual world. So once those walls came down, I decided to run with it as as fast as I could for as long as I could, because I knew at some point those walls would go back up. So I was free for, you know, for a short time. And with that, I decided I wanted to do a virtual camp. We, we're we're known for putting together four H camps, but I was like, have we ever put together a virtual camp? So still still being tied to like the camping box, um, but I was like, how can I provide education to kids at home without leaving, or without seeing them in person, without you know going out and having face to face contact? And in March, the whole country was shut down. Uh, we could barely go to the store just for food. And so the other challenge thing was, what can I do with stuff at home? So I, I built off I like to build off of other ideas. Um, like I said, it's a spider web. One idea goes to another idea to another idea, and just before you know, you have this interlocking web of ideas that come down to one program. So building off of what Texas Forge was doing with the Forge live events each week, I love that concept of being able to be on camera and do the experiments with the kids. I was like, how can we make that last longer than 20 minutes? You know, if you're gonna be at home for the next week or two, that's nice. I think it was we thought it was only gonna be a few weeks back in March, this this COVID deal.
1: Yeah. Um wishful thinking.
2: It was very wishful thinking. (laughs) But I was like, you know, if they're gonna be stuck at home for a few weeks, you know, let's give them a little bit something more to do until they can return to school. And so I was like, what would last longer? It's like science. You can do a science experiment for a couple of hours or over a couple of days. So let's do a science experiment. That's one part of the web. So I had Facebook Live videos. I have a theme. It's like, how can I get it to folks where they can actually come back to it? And I'm an avid Googler. I love Google. Um, I have an Android phone. Google runs my life. I'm pretty sure they have all my information. And one part of Google that I I had an interest in was Google Sites. You can build a website for free. It's super easy, but I never knew how I could integrate it into our um, into AgriLife. That was, I couldn't figure out how I could actually use it. And so what I did was I decided to put the concept of those white binders we all have in our office, the programs that we pull off the shelf, we open it up and here's how you do the program. It's like, that's a great concept. What if I could put that as a web version? So you create a main page and then I was like, you have a tab. And that could be one activity with everything that lives on it. Lesson two could be another tab, lesson three and lesson four. And so that's how I came up with the concept. And with Google, I was able to build this um, in one one night. Also, I don't sleep all the time. Once I get an idea, I get hyper-focused. So I was able to put together a skeleton of a a website that was user-friendly, that I could put together a video through YouTube. I could type in some questions. I could put in a Google form and these kids could operate off of this whole website. So in extension, we were used to using websites as a way to find uh, as it, for education, such as finding research and answers. We never thought about using a website as a complete interface for actually learning and doing interactive activities. And so when I put that together, I was like, this is a, this is a good product Now I need to market it right. So I was like, what would kids like? As, what would interest kids? space is always fun so let's do a space camp Um, because growing up we all at some point maybe want to be astronauts we're just fascinated seeing rockets um go up into space we kind of grew up in the 90s with the space shuttle program and that's just the iconic image when i think about nasa and blasting off is that um white and black space shuttle so put together a nice flyer send it out on on facebook and being specific on who's the audience i think also helps at the time, I noticed a lot of parents of young kids were looking for things for their kids to do. And so when I put together programs, I like to make them, um, I don't like to specify just a young age. I, I try to make my program where if any, anyone can attend and still get something out of it. But my space STEM camp, I specifically put third through fifth graders because I knew that would be a, a, a good target audience that that's kind of the, those parents were looking for stuff. And when we put it on Facebook, it blew up and at one point it was like 1.4 million people. Um, I used a Google form for registration, had like 15,000 families registered. Um, And then about, I think the number of students between classrooms and families was about 28,000 who who decided to participate in this camp, which was crazy. Um, Totally wasn't expecting it. Um, I spent a lot of my time- Okay, so
1: time out real fast. When you saw those numbers, twenty-eight thousand people, were you really like having having a bad case of the bubble gut with that? Cause I would have been freaking out.
2: It was it was I don't know bubble gut, but butterflies, it was just it was a crazy feeling to see those numbers start climbing because you're like, Okay, I got ten thousand um, you know, views and you go up to you, it jumps up to twenty and then thirty, and you're like, Oh, it's getting close to ninety, and then you you hit that one million mark because it was it was crazy and exciting to see those numbers climb, um, and to see the amount of shares we had. It was it was crazy.
1: <laughs> but then you look at those registrations and you're like, man, this is awesome. To have all these people doing it, and then you, the next thought that enters my mind is, oh crap, I actually have to do this and manage it.
2: <laughs> so, I was not prepared to manage this this type of site because uh, it was just me working off my computer in my living room. Like I came to the office. I stole a uh, stole a desk and I stole some stuff to set up an office in my um my living room.
0: You borrowed, Justin, you didn't steal.
2: <laughs> borrowed, yes. No, there's still not stuff in my apartment that I haven't
0: brought back to the office. Um <laughs>
1: It's okay. We're still we're still in the COVID. It's it's all fair game. Yeah. Who cares? So you just if
0: put I bring it out, it, you just put it on in an international podcast, but that's okay.
2: <laughs> no, you know I, I don't want to be suspicious. You know, if I bring it back, you know, we're gonna go back <laughs> to lockdown. So by keeping it there, you know, it keeps us keeps us working here in our office. Um, but I spent three days managing the system because I did not expect for it to get this popular, and so my thought process was: you would once you registered, I'll get your email, and I'll send a an email blast to everyone here's the link to the website because I wanted to get some information from them you know just so we could do our evaluations Um, I thought I had the answer with Google if you buy the premium edition for like 20 bucks you can you can send out like 5,000 auto replies it's like oh that'll work that quickly ran out um, on the first few hours I didn't I should have used I think um, um, the forms off our website would have been easier but, you know, lesson learned there, but I was spend three days sending, I don't know, thousands of emails. I did find out that we can only send 5,000 emails at a, per day from our Outlook count, um, account. Then you get locked out. <laughs> yeah. Shame on was. you,
0: Justin, for building a big program. I, mean, <laughs> I
2: know. I was not, yeah. <laughs> um, but it goes back to, you know, trying to find out um, using bubblegum and, um, and shoestrings they' using using what's free Google was free the, the interface was super easy Google forms I took registration on for the most part was free and easy to utilize so there wasn't a lot of cost up there was no cost up front into developing this website and this camp and all the activities I used they were um, household items that you could easily find cardboard paper um, paper towels and seeds so there was nothing fancy it was just it was just a different way of presenting it.
0: It's a That's fabulous insane. program, and I, I, I'm. We were all astounded by the numbers. We were all watching Justin. we yeah. were watching to see what happened, and it it truly was astounding. It we was. And I got
2: the, Um, I it was. It got so much attention that I actually got a um. Excuse me, Texas Forge got a, a, a cease and desist order for using <laughs> the words space camp. Um, yeah, <laughs> who would have thought of everything, of all the things i may or may not have utilized space camp was not what i thought i'd get a letter from a lawyer on so now we call it space STEM camp is how we refer to it but yeah i have the um cease and desist hanging in my office do that
1: <laughs> um okay so you had what was the to- final total of number of kids that participated in that program
2: well the problem that happened um was this was going to be a four-week camp and i was going to release it once uh, less than every week homeschool homeschooling hit there Mm -hmm. shortly in um, april and teachers were overwhelmed parents got overwhelmed and i saw a spike um it just as we know with most kids they'll use they'll lose interest after um so long but my numbers started really dropping after week two just because it was it was very overwhelming for for families to try to manage um, home learning from home, having to do pay lessons with their kids that they had to make choices. And unfortunately, space STEM camp was not a priority at that point. So we had great numbers at the beginning, but they quickly dropped off short after.
0: When it sounds like things you're saying, you, you learned a lot in the way along the way, and it's, it's sad that some of that, you know, like you can only send 5,000 emails a day and some things like that, that you were in the middle of it, but what great things to take and use on something else. I oh just, for
2: sure, I'm still going um, away. And I was at Basinda, send a, a result out, um, an evaluation out, and I was mainly looking at, you know, the experience, the virtual experience, not so much about knowledge gained from from science. And my thinking was and the results uh, validated it, was that these this this camp, I like to say it was a four week free trial of 4h. If you enjoyed your experience with us at this virtual camp, just wait until you become a full-fledged member and you go to 4-H camp in real life, and the results I got was, you know, I asked the I asked them, um, "Are you enrolled in a 4-H program?" And I think I got like 60% that they were not enrolled in a 4-H program. If if you said no, um, how likely are you to join 4-H? And I think it was about roughly 60% gave it a five to four, saying that they're very interested in joining 4-H after this experience. So I think this is a great way for us to highlight what we do as a 4-H program. It was able to reach new audiences. Through this COVID pandemic, one thing I think, all through extension, one thing we've learned is we're able to reach new audiences that we may not have reached before. Um, I think, I know with ag more specifically, you have a traditional audience there that's that you, um, that's a little bit older that, that are used to those in-person, come get your coffee and your donuts and attend your program. But once we went virtual, we were able to get to a lot of new landowners and who had maybe heard of Extension before. So I think we we're able to really grow our reach through it. And so we were forced, we we're kind of forced our hand into it. But if we think about some of the positives that came out of it, definitely being able to grow our brand and who we are as an agency was probably one of the most beneficial things to come out of this pandemic.
0: That's true. That's true. All right, so, and, and you've touched on some of these and you may say, Wendy, I, I talked about them, but what have been some of your favorite programs that you've done since you started Extension?
2: Uh, that is a good question. Um, definitely Space STEM Camp was fun um, just to see those numbers, but see, um, it was fun. The hard part about doing virtual programming, I'll get to some of my other programs, but what I missed was not having that interaction with kids. Um, when we do workshops and camps, we see those light bulbs go off, and we see that learning firsthand. You know that gets us excited. When you're doing um, the virtual camp, I was behind a desk, doing IT for, for for a couple of days and weeks, and I don't see what the kids are are learning. But every now and then, I'd get an email, "Thank you so much for this," or I'd get a picture of the kids, you know, with their science experiment, and that kind of helped, um, you know, brought some satisfaction to the job and let me know that okay, this was a beneficial. All the work I was doing. Um, you know all the IT, all the the long days, the frustrations. It, it was for something good to seeing those those kids actually really take take heart to some of these experiments. But um, here in Montgomery, most recently, I think some of my favorite workshops, um, I think was last year's workshops. We did a a st- I call them STEM labs, but a science night. It was all Halloween themed, and so using black lights and fluorescence, we did some cool experiments with. With some dry ice, and we we're making bubbles, and it looked like a mad science lab. So it, we did about, I think, about six or so different experiments. Yeah, you know, I had the kids wear um, um, bright colors, um, so you know it looked really cool, the glow-in-the-dark type of deal. We had spooky music going on, so that was a blast. Um, we were making string slime. I found out I had one um, one girl throw up <laughs> from the string <gasps> oh, slime. Gosh did not know that, so I take it as a success that it served its job as, you know, as a creepy, crawly type of experiment, but um, she had fun, though. Um, I think everybody had fun. Um, the following month, I did an electricity lab, and one thing I was really trying to do is, like, different types of, of activities we can do. I'm fascinated with science, and I think that's what helps, is that's one of the passions I have, is I've always, I've always liked the idea of um, Tesla coils. Uh, if you ever seen the movie Um The Source The Sorcerer's Apprentice by um that Disney made with
1: Yeah, Nicholas Cage is in Disney. it.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's that one scene where they play um they play music using the Tesla coils. Um mm-hmm. they're in the cage and they're playing um I forgot what the song is. Um but I thought that was so cool. So I was researching Tesla coils and trying to learn how learn all about that. It's like what if we could actually build a Tesla coil? So then you go into a deep dive in DYI Tesla coils. And then from there, it's like, what parts can I need? How can I source them? Amazon is amazing at getting stuff into the office that I can't find at the Walmart or Hobby Lobby or Lowe's. But I was able to build a a DYI Tesla coil that kids could actually build themselves. So I actually did spend about a week probably developing this prototype. And it was using a nine volt battery. These kids could actually built this Tesla coil. It was basically putting parts together. It wasn't a lot of technical stuff, but the idea is still that they built something. Um, And then getting a fluorescent light bulb and seeing that light bulb light up without actually being plugged into something and talking about those electrical fields. So that was really cool to be able to develop something like that. My favorite part of the job is the R&D. Just being able to have an idea and just like run with it and work on, you know, what works. There's frustrating parts, but it's so satisfying all that time you spent and those frustrations and those hookups, uh, those, those hangups to have a, 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 a product that works really well and they can utilize year after year.
1: See, I think that's where you're so much better than me at that because will you test it before you get into the camp? Oftentimes I test it at camp. At <laughs> camp, so, in the session. <laughs> that's, we tell the kids, you know, it's, your hypothesis just did not work. You know, <laughs> experiments don't always go the way that they're planned.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, currently I'm working on um, STEM camp 2.0, so talking about microgreens and um, thinking about, you know, if you go into space, how can we, you know, you know, how can we provide food? And so growing our um our own food. So I'm developing a, a way to grow microgreens, and so I have about one, two, three trays of radishes growing, and I have about another six that are starting. And that's just from this week, I probably grown on about 50 different trays of microgreens and trying to figure out um, how to grow them, you know, in a fun way. And the process has evolved. And like I said, that's the fun part. So Orbeez are fun. I was like, how can we use Orbeez? I was like, can you, can you grow microgreens using Orbeez? Not really. So then I was like trying (laughs) hydrogels, paper towels, and then trying to be cost efficient, because that's the other thing is trying to utilize something that's not gonna cost a lot of money. And so coming up with um, a product that uses a cheap tray, a piece of felt, and a micro um, hydroponic pad, that's probably cost two bucks to actually do. Um, But just a lot of R&D and experimenting, that's the fun part of it. I think while I'm drawn to science, um, but also in the, the experiments of developing those experiences,
1: Okay. So when you do these programs, have you, have you started to like write any of this stuff out? Like as a, as a curriculum, because I can, I can imagine sitting here, I know as even as a specialist, but as an agent sitting there going, um, these are so awesome. These are so great, but my brain doesn't work like that all the time. And how, how can I recreate this in my County, but not knowing all the things that Justin knows, have you started to like write those things down so that they could be recreated in other counties.
2: That's probably where I fall short um, just because these ideas live in my head. Um, and that's kind of where I go off of when I'm putting together a, a program, usually I'll get it set up the night before and I'll run through it multiple times before I actually do it to make sure I have it down in my head. And I usually don't write it down because it's constantly changing. I don't know the exact format of the program, the way it's going to go until I'm able to, get everything in place, have everything set out in the room and I can decompress a little bit and then, okay, here's what I'm thinking, will it work? And I try to imagine how the kids would would act and how what their thought process would be. So it doesn't doesn't not get written down the night before. And then I do the program. Once I'm done, I'm exhausted. I throw it all in a box. I put it away and I don't <laughs> ever get it written down. So that's probably the hard part about this is trying to get it written down to where I can share it with
1: others or so that you could go back and do it again you know like yeah right so you have those have it as a series you know yep all right
0: you said you're growing microgreens, and I was gonna ask what's your next brain child but Justin I think the way your brain is it may be brain children so do you have any other brain children in the works right now (laughs) actually
2: I had um I had four four brain children for this year but with COVID (laughs) I (laughs) decided not to explore those options um which was actually a smart decision, just because we, I did, I recycled a few workshops this year and our turnout wasn't as great. Um, I'm not sure exactly why part of it's COVID. or I'm not sure what all the factors are, but I had four that I was gonna do. And the reason why, there's there's a lot of effort that goes into planning these programs. Like I said, a lot of the R&D and getting them ready, um, spending a lot of time and to put that much effort into something, not get a good turnout, it, um, it can be a little disappointing, so I decided not to pursue that this year, but the first thing I was going to do was um, super succulents. Succulents were a huge thing uh, during the early days of the pandemic. So I was like, okay, what if we can take that hot topic of growing succulents, I'm pretty sure parents would be interested in it, and then tied in with our Junior Master Gardener program somehow. And so I was going to put together this, um, it was going to be a Saturday workshop on basically a horticulture, but I called it super succulents. Another one I had um, was Grill Masters. So taking our program that we have and our partnership with the Texas Beef Council and the Grillin' 101, um, just called it something different, Grill Masters. I think that would uh, appeal to some of the dads um, of the families and have them come together. So utilizing some of my education from Iowa State and taking some meat classes, I was going to integrate a, a meat science course where we learn about, you know, different cuts of steaks, what marbling versus non-marbling tastes like, doing a taste test and then doing a little short meat judging kind of course, and then go out and grill our own steaks. Um, The other one I had, which I was kind of excited for, um, like I said, I love science, but I also do food and nutrition, um, molecular gastronomy, I think is what it's called. Basically, it's combining science and food and not just food science, but it's literally the science of food. And so it's an out of the box kind of thinking on our food using different uh, ingredients and seeing how they react with each other and kind of coming up with like weird science or like mad food science type of um, little entrees that you could actually eat. One of them was um, taking like a puree and adding one ingredient and then you um, you put it, I have, uh, what is it called? Sodium, uh, can't think of what those two are. But when you add this ingredient to this puree and you put it into water with this other other ingredient, you form this kind of membrane around it. So you almost get like a very thin gusher where you have this membrane on the outside when you bite into it, it's squishy and it's uh, liquid in the inside. So with that, you can make these little spherical balls um, of fruit flavored or you can make fruit flavored caviar. Um, was one of the ideas. So using some stuff with also trying to do some dry ice, just the, the mad science type of food is what I was kind of going with on that. But wasn't able to develop that because um, COVID. But That was one of the, the brainchilds I had.
0: Brain yeah. children. children. you got a whole brain family going on.
2: I do. <laughs> um, and that was the fourth one that I can't remember what I had with it. But those are the three that I, I, I can think of right now.
1: Those sound fun. I want to do those for extension employees. Forget yeah. the kids. That oh. molecular gastronomy one sounds super cool.
2: <laughs> and the way that came about was there was a show back in 2000 and um called marcel's quantum kitchen it was i thought it was super cool and so i've always kept that followed back and just um pulled it up this year for some reason i i thought about it and trying to figure out how that kind of can play into a workshop but um last night no a few nights ago i was on tiktok do y'all tiktok
1: i tiktok I do not I do not make the videos, it's not my thing, but I really love to watch the stupid things that people do. Yeah, I Uh, do not I
0: had it for a day to stalk my child and I got rid of it. I'm too old.
2: (laughs) It's addicting. Um but it's a great way to kind of see what some a great way to kind of gauge the interest of youth. But there was a gentleman who um who was talking about a Rubens tube, and I would never heard of this before. Um but basically it is a, a metal tube and on one side you have a cap and you have holes drilled on the top, small holes about an inch. Um, apart, and on the other end you have a rubber seal, and you feed in uh, propane to it and you light it up. So it looks like a, uh, almost like a grill where you have these little flames all the way atop, all, all the way across, and you put a speaker on the side with the the rubber seal, and as it's pulsating, the flames will actually show the waves of sound. I know it's crazy, oh. Ruben's tube. You can act you can physically see the sound waves of that music and a few weeks ago at seen where you can actually purchase um an outside um whatever you call those um fire pits or whatever that actually do that i was always curious how they did that it's just through the sound waves so I was like oh, how can i recreate this and make this a workshop so that's filed away um
0: in the in brain time, in the yeah, brain
2: it's filed away um, i'm gonna <laughs> let it percolate that's <laughs> what I like to work to.
0: Marinate. We like use the word marinate. I love yeah. coffee. It goes with
2: your grilling. Yep. You're gonna marinate. I'm a coffee um, drinker, so I like to let it percolate <laughs> a little bit more richer over time.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Let yep. it age like a fine wine. Yes. There you go. Yeah,
1: yeah. good cheese. <laughs> um, okay, so so what's coming? It's like so you have that one percolating, but what's coming up for you? You have your microgreens going, but what else is what else is next? What's a little bit slow
2: for me here in Montgomery County? We usually hit. Um, I try to do my workshops in the fall. That leaves the spring. Uh, I'm usually kind of busy with Derek and Tamara as we move into the stock show season, um, getting ready for the Agribot contest. So that's changed a little bit. So I haven't quite figured out what um, what's gonna what I have planned for this year. I just kind of kind of have it on hold. So so tell
1: us a little bit about, about that, because we have a lot of people that are not in Texas that listen to this podcast and might not know what the Agrobot is.
2: So here in Texas, we, we take our robotic project using the EV3 Mindstorm kits, and we put together a contest where these, where the kids have to build a robot to complete task. And all the, the theme of the contest for the theme for that contest is always revolved around some type of agricultural concept. So last year, we, uh, the state committee works on the contest for the heart of Texas in September. The State Fair of Texas has a contest in October. Fort Worth just introduced the Agrobot contest. San Antonio Show and Rodeo and Houston have one. So we decided instead of coming up with five different themes, we have one theme that will change a few of the tasks every year. And so last year, the theme was um, pollinators. And so the a lot of the tasks they had to do was go in and get honey jars, so they have to bring the honey jar, take it to the hive from the hive. They would have to take it to the farmers market from the farmers market. They have to take it to the um, the school. Um, a few of them we had the they had a program the robot to do the waggle dance, how bees communicate. So they had to do a little little um, shuffle with the robot. In the years past, we've talked about the dairy industry. Um, we've talked about uh insects and pest management so everything we do is it's a way of sneaking in a little bit of agriculture into um a fun way to introduce those kids to the concept because a lot of the kids who typically are inter- interested in robotics don't always have a strong farming or agricultural background so it's our way of getting kids excited and kind of learning a little bit about where their food comes from and how it's produced through a stem related field like agrobotics
0: Very I came out of a county, Lynn County, and my those kids love that agrobotics contest. Oh my goodness, they will travel to the farthest stock show to go compete in that. They loved it, and and For we're sure. good at it. It made me feel kind of stupid to watch these, you know, sixth graders, seventh graders do what they were doing, and I'd just be like, Duh. oh, you're <laughs> not the. That's
1: o- where that's where I'm like, I'll be your cheerleader and take yes. your picture. I'd be like, look at you go! I'll be there <laughs> with the camera.
2: Yeah. You're not the only one. Um even though we help plan the contest i probably cannot program the robot very well for what these kids can do it's it's amazing how these kids you give them the opportunity and the tools and they will almost self-teach themselves between mm-hmm. their natural curiosity and uh, ability to explore the program but what we do is we tell our kids you know go to youtube because those folks have figured it out and i have a team they need to build a claw and so they were youtubing it and going step by step so a lot of our coaches aren't Um, coaches and leaders in the project are not computer science specialists not robotics specialists they are there to coordinate the team and a lot of the time those kids kind of naturally pick it up I was um, before a few weeks ago I went to go visit a new family who was interested in robotics and I just gave those kids a few little hints and they're the ones who were um, really figuring it out I'll maybe direct them a little bit but their natural curiosity and understanding of trial and error really is what drew them to understand how that concept works.
0: Yep. yep. Very cool. It is cool. I'm excited to see what stock show season holds. Let, let's hope. Well, know are y'all even getting to do agrobotics in any show this
1: year?
2: Um, all of the contests were canceled for this year. So it's a little different this um, spring. So yeah.
1: have y'all thought about doing some of those um, virtually with the stock shows?
2: We haven't quite um, really ventured into that. Um, I, the stock just haven't approached us and we haven't really gone that route quite yet. We're just yeah. seeing what, we're just unsure of what it holds. Yeah. So hold.
1: Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> nope. well, Here's Justin, hoping we can just yeah. do the, all the things. <laughs> all yes. the things, all the
0: things that they'll let us do. We, we yeah, hope we sure. can. So for Jess, sure. Is there anything else you want to share with us today?
2: No, I think that covered the majority of it.
1: We are so, um, so excited and and grateful to you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come speak to us today. Um, I learned a lot and I I like getting to listen to how, like how excited you get about the different programs that you have going and and all, all the cool things that you have going. So we really appreciate you and your time. Uh, Wendy, do you have anything else for these fine folks today? Just thank you for
0: joining us. Because, you know, as we say on almost all the episodes, I think I missed last week, helping you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. But before I say that, we do have
1: an announcement. We
0: do have an announcement. We do. Yes. This is so exciting.
1: On Thursday, that's two days from now, December 17th on Thursday at 430 in the afternoon, grab your favorite happy hour beverage and come bake cookies with Wendy and I as we recap our favorite moments from season one of the four H lunchtime ladies podcast. Um, we will be live on those. We'll also be recording it. So it will be a bonus episode for that week. And, um, we're going to have some, some good times, but if you have questions or topics that you would like for us to talk about, go ahead and send those to us. Um, we want to, we want to cover some of the things that they y'all want us to cover. um, while also recapping our favorite moments from this season
0: yes and maybe cookies or crafts i still don't know what i'm doing yet i'm very excited though to come live from my kitchen i think i'm gonna do two cookies it is i've i've already started creating a pinterest board to figure out
1: what i'm gonna do <laughs> i think i think i'm gonna stick with where my shrinks are and uh do my tried and true chocolate chip cookies oh oh i need a good chocolate chip cookie recipe you know so yes, because we're like are excited about our, be- our live. I, yeah, well, like Justin was saying, he tests all those things out, you know, beforehand. That's not me. I usually do it in the moment and I would hate to like have my decorated sugar cookie or whatever on a live (laughs) event and me get frustrated with it. My eyes can go everywhere. So I'm going to try to true.
0: Yeah. And now, and I'm going to throw that now, Megan doesn't know I'm doing this, but you know what? If you need the lunchtime ladies (laughs) to come visit through zoom or teams (laughs) or we'll we'll speak to any group. (laughs) Do we got our first
1: invitation today. Yeah, we're so we won't say excited. what
0: state, but we've had a state reach out to the lunchtime ladies. Yeah. I mean, we're so excited. Yeah. <laughs> so we're traveling technically. It'll be a virtual travel to another state in January. So yeah. we, we'd love to talk to other groups and get people excited about what we're doing because we do have good jobs. We, we do. do. Just like Just like Justin has shown, he didn't have to say this for himself. What a difference he's making in the lives of kids.
1: Yep. Yep. So we're excited to see y'all
0: and literally see y'all in two days. Two days. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, We hope you all have a great rest of your day and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Bye everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast. We'd like to continue this conversation with you over on our social media pages. So be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and connect with us there. You can find us at the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies on both platforms.